0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, your daily tiredness forecast is an 8 out of 10. The weather is getting colder. Our leaders have once again exchanged short-term gain for long-term pain. But it is Thursday, which is uh, pretty close to Friday. And I believe somebody is bringing barbecue into work today. So um, I think all around, th- things are great. Not as busy of a newsy day. But we do, in fact, have news, and I want to start off with probably the juiciest news of... Let's just let's just get into the juice, man. Partially because it's already 4.14, and um, probably not going to be the longest episode in the world. Which, I don't know why I keep telling you that. You can see how many minutes this episode is. Anyways, according to some... I don't know. I don't even like saying sources anymore, because it doesn't mean anything. There are people reading tea leaves in such a way in which they could make a pretty strong case that... Zadarius and the Packers are working through some stuff. Zadarius has been putting stuff on social media that could just be nothing. I mean, We see this all the time. People say things on social media, and everybody reads into it, and then they come back on social media the next day, and they're like, you guys are nuts, man. I'm I'm just saying stuff. Like, you guys are crazy. In fact, that happens almost every time. But Zadarius said on Twitter, I want to be a Packer for life. The Packers have mentioned that they've already talked to guys about restructures, pay cuts, extensions, all these kinds of things to try to you know work things out. And so the general thought process is this is what the negotiation with Zedarius is. They're working on an extension which would make him a packer for life because and and this is where it gets interesting complicated whatever. It's not super simple. First of all, and I mentioned this with Amos that it would be I would be willing to give him an extension even though he's got 2 years left on his contract meaning this year and next year It's it's not super common to do that. I know they've done it several times with Rodgers. I mean, when you're a quarterback, okay, especially with long term things. I mean, you know, if you're going to be around for a super long time, you got two years left. We're going to give you four years on top of that. That's six total years. That's a long time. Um, But we're talking about an edge rusher. And listen, let's be completely honest about a couple things. Well, let's do the pros first. Here are the pros. Number one. Zedarius Smith is a Packer for life. That's awesome, right? We don't have to deal with the drama of next year he's a free agent and do we keep him and how much is he going to cost and maybe he's going to go somewhere else and all that stuff. If he gets an extension, it's, it's pretty much locked up. The biggest reason why it would be beneficial is Zedarius Smith right now, this year, costs the Packers against the cap $21.5 million. That is, that's a lot. If we give him an extension, and it depends what the numbers are and how many years, I mean, if they can bring, they, that's a big chunk that they could cut into. Let's say they tack two years onto this, and let's say they keep it at 17. i am I'm completely making this stuff up. At that point, the average cap hit is 19 million. And if we look at it and say that, you know, based on 21.5 this year, 20.75 next year, and then 17 the next two years, which isn't the way it's going to be structured. Again, once we have that, we've got essentially four years of $19 million. And so again, remember, the early years are going to be a lot lighter, especially this year. Then there's supposedly, I don't know if this is real or not, but according to spot track and Over the Cap or whatever, we go from 180 to whatever to possibly like 210, which is a giant leap. Again, not confirmed, but if everything goes as planned and we're actually packing stadiums and making money... It could happen, that's huge, and then another big jump the year after that. We can really kind of push this out. So I would think the way the Packers would want to do this is to, as best as you can, because this is kind of somewhat impossible, backload it, but frontwardly guarantee it. And that's hard to do because, again, it's kind of compressed. We've got two years now, we've already got some guarantees in here, and then we're adding more guarantees, and it's not a super long period of time. But the idea being we want as little money now and his little guarantees later, because you're talking 31, 30, 31, and 32-year-old Zedarius Smith, if he completely falls off, we don't want to be stuck for three, four years with a guy that really just can't do it anymore. But again, at 19-ish million a year, let's say, again, what did I say it was before, roughly 70% in the first year on a lot of these contracts? That would drop Zadarius to $13.3 million against the cap this year. That's saving us $8.2 million. Now, again, these are all made up numbers. That's assuming he's taking two additional years, getting locked up for life, and he's accepting 17 million a year. I don't know if he would accept that. I don't know why he wouldn't, because, you know, it's it's guaranteeing a contract through 32 years old, which is great. He's staying here. Um, whatever. I don't know. Again, it's made up, but it's just an illustration of why this is worth pursuing. Here are the problems. Number one, as I said, the age. He's already 29. Next year, he's 30, and if we add two years onto this, we're talking 31 and 32, and if we do, we could, you could say, well, why don't we just do one year, because then we compress it even more and we have less ability to do so, uh, because we're averaging it out. Just to give an example, if we do one year, and let's say it's a one-year, $17 million deal, actually, that doesn't change things very much. <laughs> it really doesn't. That's I, I had to do the math like a couple times. So it's 19.0 with four years. Nineteen point seven five with three years. So I don't. Maybe maybe one year would make more sense. But you can't push it out quite as much. So maybe instead of seventy percent, they got to do eighty percent because you can't backload it as much. That would make it close to sixteen million instead of thirteen point whatever million. The other thing that needs to be acknowledged, and I don't think this is general knowledge that a lot of people would agree with, because the sack numbers and everything were were there. According to several metrics, there was a pretty big drop off for Zedarius this year, this past year. I mean very big. And it was expected. As I said, 2020 Zadarius Smith was a pass rusher that has almost never been seen. He didn't get nearly enough credit in 2020. Again, guys like Khalil Mack and whatnot have years like that once in their career. Khalil Mack. And I don't know if he, I don't remember what the conclusion was. I think he did have one year that was about as good as 2020 Zadarius and that's it. Right? And And again, missing the Pro Bowl and all that is stupid. 2020 did I say that wrong? 2019 Zedarius. 2020 Zedarius, probably a little overrated. Don't don't get me wrong. Not a bad football player. Not saying that, but I'm, I'm just trying to be honest about what the difference is. All right, we look at it and say he had eight, according to PFF stats, 18 sacks in 2019, 14 sacks in 2020. That's not that big of a difference. Relax. No, no, no. Massive difference. 105 pressures on less than 600 attempts in 2019. 59 pressures on 612 attempts in 2020. He had 20 more attempts in 2020 than he did in 2019, and it was 105 pressures compared to 59. His pressure rate was 9.6. That's terrible. I mean, that's really bad. Now, again, double teamed more than just about anybody in football, which is probably why his his pass rush grade was actually pretty good. So there's optimism here the optimism is and and maybe this is why the packers are optimistic and saying listen we're we're going to we're going to go all in on Zedarius. he's our guy for sure similar to what i said about jj he had a really high pass rush grade but the stats weren't great again 14 sacks is is fantastic which is why nobody's looking at it and saying he took a step back but clearly he did statistically also his run defense grade kind of fell off but if we're being honest he's he's kind of just bad against the run and 2019 was an anomaly let me just give you his run defense grades since 2015 in Baltimore, 59, 48, 61, 56, 76, 61. 61.5 is basically the best he's ever done outside of 2019, which was an, an anomaly. So Zadarius Smith is a good pass rusher. His grade was almost as good in, in 2020 as it was in 2019. But again, if we're reading the tea leaves here, massive statistical falloff. But the biggest issue is he's kind of all there is. And you can put that on Kenny Clark having a terrible year, Zadarius being decent but not good enough and also not playing enough, and Preston just completely falling off the planet bad. And with that, teams just said, let's double Zedarius and that's it. So maybe here's the plan. Let's, let's trust him. Let's give him the extension. This is also an argument for keeping Preston. As weird as that sounds, and I'll get to that in one second. I mean, you could go either way with it. But also, the biggest A number one thing is we have to get somebody else. We have to. And again, this is why J.J. Watt would have made a lot of sense, and I like it. And I get it. Too much money, too old, too broke down. All right, fine. But you better bring somebody in and put them on that defensive line and make absolutely sure that something gets better. And by the way, Kenny Clark, you better step up. Zadarius, or excuse me, sorry, Zedarius, not talking about you. We're friends. Um, Rashawn, Preston, whoever's around. You have to, have to, have to step up. We cannot do this double-teaming nonsense. And Joe Barry, you got to figure something out. You, if they're going to just sit there and double-team Zadarius all day long, you got to make them pay. Because just stati- or strategically, if you double-team somebody, you're making yourself vulnerable, especially if you know that that's what they're going to do. That puts them at a strategic disadvantage. It should open up some opportunities for you. You need to draw something up and the boys better execute, whether that's a blitzing linebacker, a, a much better defensive lineman, bring in the safeties and corners more often, whatever it is. If you're going to assign two people to one of our pass rushers, you're going to suffer for that. Big time suffer for that. As far as keeping Preston, the only reason I would even dabble in that, because $16 million is way too much. I would much rather have the $8 million because we desperately need it, and he was just about as bad as it gets last year. 29 pressures on 460, uh, 446 attempts, 29. This was his lowest pass rush grade ever. So statistically it was putrid, terrible. Let's, let's go through his grades as a pass rusher, 65, 58, 68, 68, 73, 55. So he had a 58 once. Otherwise it's high sixties and seventies in 2019. In terms of his, um, Let's look at the sacks, which, again, I don't care as much about, but let's just look at it. 9, five, eight, six, 15, 5, So tied for the lowest with that year that he had another bad pass rush year. Let's look at the pressures. 38, 34, 39, 53, 62, 29. And no, the attempts are not low. 361, 414, 368, 468, 456, and 446. It was the third highest out of six years, so it was right in the middle. 29 pressures on the season. His pressure rate was 6.5. That is, that's like a, a nose tackle. And while the other guy on the other side is being double teamed, you're getting to the quarterback 6.5% of the time, and you're going to get paid $16 million to be here? No. Never on my life would I do that. However, here's, here's the only thought that makes me think we got to keep or bring in another edge rusher. Rotation. If we want Zadarius for four years, we got to keep him healthy. We can't beat him down like J.J. Watt getting a 1,000 um, snaps a year or whatever. That's just, it's not going to work. And he's been dabbling with that since he came to Green Bay. In Baltimore, he was a rotational guy, 400, 400, 500. His big breakout year was 700 snaps since he came here, 976, 958. That's a lot. He's out there a lot. And, and cool, he can handle it. But again, if we want him playing until he's 32 years old, there has to be some level of rotation. And there has to be guys that we can trust. And I hope Rashawn can take another step. And again, if it's, if it's not Kenny stepping up, if it's not Preston stepping up, we have to get somebody else. I don't know that there's anything that's more important than that. I mean, in terms of desperate need, you know, offensive line in terms of we just don't have players. Of course, we have pass rushers. And of course, we have a defensive lineman. And of course, we have people there. But in terms of the one thing that can be the most impactful, it's, it's got to be somebody else bringing pressure on the defensive line. And it's, it's upsetting because we've invested in it. I like Rashawn, and I think he gets too much heat. But I also think it's time to step up. In terms of his pressure rate, I mean, he was by far the best pass rusher on this team. By far. 13%. Which, I mean, even if we weren't comparing it to a bunch of guys that couldn't even get to 10%, that's great. Now his grades weren't weren't very good. He did take a step. He went from a 59 pass rush grade to a 66. His overall grade went from a 55 to a 68. So he took a step, and the the stats are there. 46 pressures out of 349 is great. Nine sacks on the season, that's great. At the very least, I would say that he's capitalizing on what the teams are giving him. He's not getting doubled at all, and he's winning at a at a good enough rate again, just tying the two things together. He's not, according to PFF, he's not the greatest pass rusher ever, but he can be opportunistic. That's that's good enough for me. Then I, I think at the very least, he needs to be out there a lot more than Preston so that he can keep that pressure on. Because Again, let's look at this. 46 pressures on 349 attempts. If he had as many snaps um, as Preston did, we would be talking about Instead of his uh, 46 pressures, we're talking about, if I can pull up the right thing, 59 pressures. If he had as many snaps as Preston and kept the same sack rate, we're talking about 11 and a half to 12 sacks. Since they don't do half sacks, I'm going to round it up, say 12 sacks. And that's, listen, Preston only had 446 snaps. And if he goes away and we start talking about, okay, now Zedarius is really stepping it up. Now he's actually getting real big boy opportunities. Zadarius so had 600 pass rush reps. Now we're getting up in the 80 pressure range, right? It is, it's 80 something. I don't know. So I don't know. We got to do something. And again, we shouldn't even have to do anything. We have Kenny Clark and, and the, the edge rushers that we have. We shouldn't have to do anything. It's upsetting that I'm saying we have to go out and get a defensive lineman, but we can't go into the season with nobody doing their job. Zadarius so getting 9%, which again, because of his double team rate, okay, fine, Preston getting 6% and Kenny Clark getting 7%, 7% for Kenny Clark, and he's not getting double teamed? Come on now. Come on. 32 pressures the guy got. 32 pressures. Last year it was 69. Dropped down to 32. It's just not good enough, man. Preston and 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 uh, Kenny especially really, really hurt us. Really hurt Zedarius. The defense took a big step back last year, and that's a massive part of it. Thank, Thankfully for our DBs, the defense didn't actually kind of looked promising. Zadarius shut everybody down. Excuse me, Zadarius. Jair shut everybody down. Savage and Amos really stepped it up. We got some decent you know, play from our linebackers kind of sporadically, kind of coming out of nowhere. The thing that really would have been the cherry on top is these pass rushers doing something, but nope, Kenny didn't want to show up. And again, I know uh, Coach Hahn doesn't like me saying that, but the numbers are the numbers. That's unacceptable. 32 pressures out of 424 attempts is pathetic. For a guy that's that's one of the highest paid defensive tackles in football, that's unacceptable. At a minimum, he should have got 51 pressures. At a minimum, he got 32. That's just 12%. Would have been 51 pressures. So uh, it's, 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 it's hard to say. And again, I, I think if we do bring somebody in, especially a, a really solid defensive lineman, That helps Kenny, that helps Zedarius. that helps everybody. Because somebody's going to get home. Somebody's going to. We shouldn't have to do that. Having, you know, Rashawn, who needs to be as, you know. You have expectations for what Rashawn should be. You have expectations for what Kenny should be. You have Zadarius already seemingly doing his job. I I don't know. Statistically, he did not. But, again, I'm going to cut him some slack. Because we have the statistics on his double team rate. And he was the second most behind J.J. Watt. Which, again, is why J.J. Watt would have made sense. But anyways, again, th- this is this is kind of where we're at. And as I think about it, it's it's very iffy because, I you know, I don't think we see 2019 Zedarius ever again. I think 2020 Zedarius is a little bit more realistic. He is not a good player as far as stopping the run. That's not to say he doesn't have some good plays against the run. I know you've seen it. I know you've seen some highlights, and he's done some great things. On a play-to-play basis, that's just not his thing. He doesn't drop in coverage. He doesn't defend the run very well. He doesn't set the edge very well. He's a pass rusher. That's great. That's the number one thing we want you to do. And I'm happy to pay a guy that is just a pass rusher, especially when he's a, just an absolute dog. And he is, but if he's just going to get double teamed all day and we can't do anything about it, then it's useless. And there's no point in even paying him. So there needs to be a plan is the point. And it it sounds like there is. And again, I'm, 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 I'm being overly dramatic. Of course, there's a plan. You always have a plan. Um, that's, that's my thought process on. it. Again, it's a little unusual because he's he is getting old and you're talking about two years out Another, we don't even know how he's going to be in 2021, nor do we know how he's going to be in 2022. So if he takes another step back in 2021 and we just gave him a, a, another two-year extension, so we got four years of him. And even if we say, okay, the last two years, though, we can technically get out of the contract, we're locked in the next two years. We could get out of his contract technically this year if we wanted to. Next year, for sure, if things really fall off, if we lock him in on an extension, the next two years, 100%, he's staying. If it's a one-year extension, maybe we can get out next year with a high dead cap hit. Again, it all depends how it's structured, but also remember, the easier it is to get out in the back end, the less we're able to free up now. So the less reason for us to even bother doing this. If we're not freeing up a bunch of money right now, let's just leave it as it is, despite the fact that it would be great to get under 20 million dollars. So I don't know, I'll leave it up to them. And 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 again, this is all speculation. Maybe nothing's being done. Maybe Zedarius is just, you know, he's at the bar tipping a couple back or in his living room. I you know, don't wanna don't want to accuse the man of going out and having a good time in public. He's in his living room tipping a couple back. And you know, you get a, you get sentimental, you get emotional, and you just tweet out, man, I want to be a packer the rest of my life. I love any he, he's tweeting all his teammates like I love you guys so much, you don't understand. He's just he's just a little tipsy, that's all. But it's still a, a decent enough thought exercise. And again, I've mentioned this with Amos. We couldn't free up quite as much money, but um, it's it's kind of a similar thought process with him. He's only 28 years old. We could offer him to stick around because he, I mean, he's just, you want to talk about one of the most underrated football players in the entire NFL? I think it's Adrian Amos. He, he was the reason why I said, through all the muck and mire of, of all the big safety names, Amos was near the top of my list. And I said that on this podcast. It's out there somewhere. In 2017, Adrian Amos was graded as the third highest safety in football. It was Harrison Smith, LaMarcus Joyner, and Adrian Amos. In 2018, still with the Bears, he was the 10th highest graded safety in football. The two guys that were in front of him the year before were not in the top 10. In 2019, Adrian Amos was the 17th highest graded safety. And in 2020, he is the second highest graded safety. He has been in the top top three twice in the last four years, the top 10 three times in the last four years, the top 24 years out of four. I I tend to think he's probably, over the last four years, been the best safety in football. And nobody talks about him. Nobody cares. It's funny, Bears fans flip out about uh, Eddie Jackson, how great he is, how elite he is. He's so good. He had one good year, 2018. He was the number one safety in football since then. So his, his grades in four years, 68, which is boring lame whatever then 93 and then he gets paid because he's the greatest ever and all the draft analysts you know i think trevor sycamore or something was like i knew it i had him like as my number one say i knew he was my boy he drops off in 2019 back to 67 in 2020 drops off to a 59 if you talk about best safeties in football eddie jackson's name will come up he had one good year adrian amos has been top 10 three out of four years top 24 out of four years uh Eddie Jackson once in four years. But he was number one and his name will never leave that spot. Adrian Amos will get no respect ever. He's better than Eddie Jackson. It's not, I mean, it's not even a competition. It's stupid. I mean if you just rank, if you took uh side by side of Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos and rank their individual years, the best year would be Eddie Jackson in 2018. Um let's see, let's do it this way. Let me sort these real quick. So it'd be number one is Eddie Jackson in 2018. Number two would be Amos in 2017, Amos in 2020, Amos in 2018, um, Amos in 2019, Amos in 2016. Uh, let's see if it's... Yep, and then Amos in 2015, followed by Eddie Jackson in 2017, 2019, and 2020. So you've got the, the best year is Eddie Jackson. Then you have literally every year of, of Adrian Amos's six years, and then you have Eddie Jackson's next three years. That's, that's, that's the reality of, of at least the, the overall PFF grades, just for Eddie Jackson. But Eddie Jackson's one of the best safeties in football. Adrian Amos is just some scrub. He's literally one of the best safeties in football. Would I be willing to extend him today? Yes, I would. I don't care if it saves $2 million. Give the man some money. I, I don't care. It's, it's unbelievable what kind of a steal we got in him. And again, this is everybody trashes PFF when, when somebody says things they don't like. The reason I love PFF is that it's predictive. I'm not a genius for coming on here and saying Adrian Amos is the guy that I want. I just read his grades. And guess what? I was right. When everybody's talking about Landon Collins, what did I do? I looked at his grades and I said, he's not actually that good. I would rather have Amos, especially for the money. Landon Collins got paid massive money. He wasn't good. Plain and simple. Adrian Amos got a paltry, what, $8 bucks a year? And he's continuing to be one of the best safeties in football. Now, he's not flashy, and that's why nobody cares about him, because nobody actually really looks at these things outside of how many interceptions do you get. But in terms of a really solid play-to-play football player, Adrian Amos is a great down-to-down, game-to-game, year-to-year football player. I want that more than anything else. You can keep your guy that gets, you know, 17 interceptions in a game, 10 of which came in one game but you know he can't tackle he can't cover on a play to play basis he gave up 900 yards and 15 touchdowns but boy oh boy can he get some interceptions i don't want that you can keep it i'm not interested in that you can keep your your highlight reels and the national media blowing up because they don't actually care they just look at stats and box scores and all that stuff keep them i don't want them i want adrian amos that's my guy oh i got 10 minutes um Let's take a break real quick. We'll come back and try to do some rapid fire through some different pieces of information. And that'll be that. So we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Welcome back. Great to see you. I want to give a big shout-out to Brewer, who gave a five-star iTunes review. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. I'm hoping as we continue to forge ahead with that, that iTunes actually starts to care and notice that this is uh, one of the highest-rated podcasts of any Packers podcast that also has one of the most ratings of any podcast. We have 406 at a 4.9. That is, I don't think there's any other that are at that level. We'll see if iTunes cares. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But keep them coming. I really, really appreciate that. Um, again, rapid fire. We did learn that 182.5 is the uh, is the cap. It is what it is. It's pretty close to what we were thinking. But it, at the very least, we have an idea of the direction we can go. So we should start getting some news pretty quickly. Uh, again, we don't have very long before teams are going to get on the phone and start making offers to our players. So if we're going to do something, we better get it moving. Quan um, Alexander, the linebacker, is being released. I don't know what he's going to cost I've never been a big fan of Quan Alexander, but he does kind of fit the mold of the today's modern NFL kind of guy. Um, when the—who was it that signed him the first time? 49ers, maybe? So somebody paid him massive money to come over there and be that guy. The guy that—and again, this is the, the guy that I despise, but teams tend to need him. He can cover, but stopping the run, it's a joke. It may as well be my six-year-old son out there trying to stop NFL running back. But if you're looking for a pure coverage guy— Maybe. Maybe we can kind of just scratch that off our lid. Um, And hopefully because, I mean, it's it's been pretty bad as far as he gets paid a ton of money and then they're like, all right, let's move on from this guy. We don't want him. The Saints are like, we want him. We'll pay him a bunch of money. And then they pay him. And then a year later, they're like, all right, get out of here. You're no good. I mean, it, it has. they have to be able to see that. On top of that, he's got an Achilles injury that he got in December. So he's getting older. He's run through a bunch of teams. He's got injuries. I mean, his money has got to be dropping like crazy. So it's a thought. I wouldn't be excited about it, but it is what it is and to be fair, his his his, his coverage grades are, are mediocre at best. But that's that's what he does, 6'1", 227, speed. So he's fast, he can cover ground, he can drop in coverage and at least kind of threaten, you know, hey, don't throw here. So maybe it's one of those things where he as an individual is not making real great plays. But by virtue of his ability, it kind of helps us execute our scheme. I don't, I don't know, I just, I don't really like it. But he keeps getting paid, so he must be able to do something for somebody. I don't know um emmanuel sanders was released i've always been a big fan of emmanuel sanders um i don't think he's going to cost a ton of money i also don't know if he's going to want to come here i believe he went to new orleans because his grandma was there and that's what made his final decision and i don't know Uh, i don't exactly know what's left in the tank for him either i'm open to it i don't think the packers are going to do it again if if you're going to do something i think the options are bring in somebody big draft somebody or do nothing that that's my preference now they didn't do that last year with Devin Funches. they brought in a guy that's basically just another guy and I don't understand the purpose of that right I don't need more competition with MVS and Alan Lazard. that's silly to me we don't need another guy we already got enough of those guys and and, and listen if you think Funches can be more than that great but they're not paying him like they think they can that he can be more than that they're paying them like they think he's going to be just another one of those guys uh the Buffalo Bills did release John Brown that's another option at wide receiver I don't really see that being a thing he's 31 years old He's blazing fast, but he's just another one of those really fast, smaller guys that doesn't really do anything. I mean, he did have a big 2019 season, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, and that's cool. But that's sandwiched in between, you know, a bunch of different teams. He left Arizona getting 299 yards, so like, all right, see you later. He goes to Baltimore. He got 729 yards, uh, had a 64 overall grade. Baltimore, after one year, is like, all right, peace, see you later. Buffalo brings him on, has a big breakout year, and they're like, all right, cool. He finally gets to stick on a team for a second year. He gets 500 yards, 65 overall grade, and they're like, all right, we're done with you. So a lot of guys, I mean, again, you get excited, dude, this guy's got four, three, four speed. He's just killing. Nobody wants to keep him around. And again, he's 31 years old. He's a smaller guy. Injury issues, which is, you know, that's one of the things you worry about when you're smaller. And When you have confirmation that the size and the injuries are not great, it just, I don't think so. Uh, the Titans released safety Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, that's kind of a big-name guy that I think a lot of people like because of his name. It's it's another one where it's like, oh, we got to get Kenny Vaccaro because he's Kenny Vaccaro, and I just I have never really understood it. I know he was a number one overall pick. Um, he's never once in his career since 2013 had a 70 overall grade ever, like ever. <laughs> his best season ever was 2013 with New Orleans 66.7 overall grade. The biggest reason, because he has had several – he is a strong safety – Several years in which he was decent as a run defender, 2017, 16, 15, 13 with New Orleans. Notice how that went in reverse order because I was going up in grades. In other words, if we look at uh, grades going, or if we if we look in terms of, of in order of, of how good he was starting in 2013, it's been declining, is, is what I'm trying to say. He's been getting worse. But he, he did have, at one point, a, a pretty solid ability to stop the run the reason his grades have never been good is he's never had one year in coverage in which he was any good 64 is his highest coverage grade ever and you look at statistically and it's like well it's the stats aren't bad well he's a strong safety he's not really getting targeted as much not going to be as many yards because that deep 50 yard shot is not his fault that's not, he wasn't out there so no i'm not interested in 30 year old kenny vaccaro that can't cover and, and again you look at it, well he would be a third safety he would be in the box so maybe yeah but again, remember, he's been declining. The last time he had a 70 overall run defense grade was in 2017. He has not had it once since he went to Tennessee. And there is the familiarity with Matt LaFleur, so maybe if he likes him, he'll bring him over. I don't know, but just, yeah. The uh, Patriots are looking to move on from Nikhil Harry. That should tell you everything you need to know. By the way, for those of you who are saying that Bill Belichick is the greatest GM drafter in the history of the universe, he took a, f- I mean, this, this is the biggest black eye to a lot of Packer fans who not only look up to guys like um, Bill Belichick and say he's the standard and the Packers need to man up, but uh, but also saying that the Packers should have taken a first-round wide receiver. Here's your hero taking a first-round wide receiver and falling flat on his face, and now they want to trade him away. Nobody's perfect. That's 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 the thing. Most of the time, these GMs fail, including really historic guys who I think is— I'm not going to say he's a bad drafter, but he's he's not elite. He's got a lot of hits, but I mean, there's there's plenty of misses here, um, and this is a big one. Do we want Nikhil Harry? No. I mean, if there was potential, I think they would be keeping him around and, and trying to make this work. I mean, he's, he's had every opportunity with nobody out there to step up and be a number one wide receiver, and they're already ready to move on from him. And again, I don't want just another guy. Does he fit the prototype of what the Packers like? Sure. But I don't want to take a flyer and spend the money and give up the capital for a guy that's going to be just another big plotting guy that's going to compete with a bunch of big plotters. Uh, the Giants released right guard Kevin Zeitler, which obviously uh, immediately the ears perk up, and it's like, wait a minute, right guard? And I actually had praised the Giants for making this move. I think that was involved in the Olivier Vernon trade with with Cleveland. I thought it made a lot. I mean, it, it made sense for both. I thought Olivier Vernon was a good football player. Um, he actually went on to be a decent football player for Cleveland, at least for a year, and now he's gone or I think he's going to be gone. I don't know. Should be cuz he fell off last year. But um he had kind of a rough 2020. I mean the the entire offensive line did and again there's that whole thing where you know they they fired their offensive line coach and things got better down the stretch. He's a good football player. He is. He's been one of the better guards in football for a while, but again, you're talking 31 years old. He has a former Badger, so that's cool. Sure he'd love to come back here. He went to Wisconsin Lutheran, which I think my grandma went there, which is kind of funny. But uh yeah, he's from Waukesha, Wisconsin. I'm sure he's a Packer fan. He'd like to come home and all that, right? But it's it it's similar to it's actually very similar to what we did with Rick Wagner, right? He's getting older, didn't have a great year last year, but historically a pretty quality football player that you know you can put there and he's at least not terrible. So, depending on the price, which I hope is really low, although it's probably not, I would be open to this. I really would, but it's very dependent on price. Because again, we have limited resources, depending on what moves we're doing. Again, we can we can free up a ton of money, or we just kind of leave it as is and we have no money. I mean, we can't leave it as we have to do something, but we just do a couple things to get just under just enough under the the limit and sign the guys we need to sign and everything else and, and be done with it. and then we can't do this. I don't wanna spend too much. And um I mean the the Giants freed up twelve million dollars in space to let the guy go. So you can kind of see how much Money was involved in Zeitler to begin with. Bottom line: if he wants like eight, nine, ten million dollars, forget it. It's it's just not worth it. We'll we'll draft a guard, or we'll trust the guys that we got. If if for some reason his value has plummeted down to like five-ish, six-ish, maybe eh, we can talk about it. Maybe offer him two years, pay him four and a half this year. Very little guarantee. Can just flat out cut him next year if we don't want him. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. I'm not not super opposed to it. Interesting little footnote, the Jaguars were not awarded a compensatory pick for the 11th consecutive season. We'll get to the compensatory picks, but um, it is kind of funny and sad because the way in which you get compensatory picks is you have good football players that you let walk and they get signed somewhere else and then you get picked. If you don't have good football players and or you never let them walk, then you don't ever get any. And the the fact of the matter is the way that they do business, they just, they don't let that happen. And I, And I think that's, Let's just say Ted Thompson would never work there. <laughs> Fairly big NFC North news, the Vikings did release Riley Reef. Um I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to pan out. I had mentioned him as a possible cut, but I mean that's 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 a big deal. He is under contract obviously. It's one of those things where you look at their their contractual situations and say how can they free up the most amount of money and Riley Reef is at the top of the list and you say he's 32 years old and it's like that is the prudent move, but for a team that's trying desperately to build an offensive line and is really struggling to do so and is kind of sort of making steps in that direction, getting rid of Riley Reef, who's, I mean, he's not elite, but he's at least good. And they're struggling to find good for that offensive line, and they have one less good player. At that at this point in time, that's going to have to mean, I believe, Ezra Cleveland is going to step up and be the left tackle, which, again, is but I've been hearing that he's going to step in as a guard, and that just never made sense to me. Ezra Cleveland is this big, long, lanky, skinny guy. I mean, I mean, he's got a lot of weight, but there's nothing about him that says guard to me. I know he played guard a little bit, and that's great for, you know, whatever. I just don't see how that would ever work. He's built like a tackle. I mean, he's like Jason Spriggs trying to play guard. It's a joke. And again, maybe maybe this, maybe this, I'm wrong, and they're like, no, he's our guard. He's 6'6", 309. He's going to be our guard, and we'll find a different tackle. Um, but that's that's not great. Uh, and as a guard, he did not do very well. He had a 52 overall pass blocking grade, 67 run blocking grade. It's possible a lot of Packer fans really like the guy. Maybe he steps in as a tackle and he just kills it. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of Ezra. The guy, oh my goodness, the stats are so bad. So bad. I didn't expect that. So he actually played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He only played nine games as a guard. He gave up five sacks, eight hits, ten hurries, twenty-three total pressures. Wow, Ezra Cleveland. This is this is crazy. Zach Fulton, guard for the Houston Texans, gave up eleven sacks. That's number one. Tyree Phillips, Matt Pryor, Halapalavati Vaitai, and Dakota Dozier, another Minnesota Viking, were tied for second most sacks given up with six. Let that sink in now. Six. Ezra Cleveland only playing nine games, five sacks, tied for the third most given up by anybody. Now, Halapalavati Vaitai is even worse because he only played 450 snaps and gave up six sacks, so that's that's horrific, but he also only gave up 15 pressures. Ezra Cleveland gave up 23, 23 pressures with only 622 snaps. That's wild to me. And five sacks? The most sacks given up by any Green Bay Packer was Lucas Patrick with three. He played 556 snaps. Excuse me, I I lied. 556 pass-blocking, 939 snaps. He played 300 more snaps and had two less sacks than Ezra Cleveland. The next highest is Elton Jenkins. 1,037 snaps, he gave up one sack on the season. Then you have John Runyon, Ben Braden, and Lane Taylor all played some snaps. None of them gave up a single sack. The most pressures given up by any guard for the Packers was Lucas Patrick with 16. You had two Vikings giving up more. Dakota Dozier gave up 46 pressures. Ezra Cleveland gave up 23, and again, that's with 622 snaps. Rashad Coward of the Bears, 19 pressures on 300 snaps, which is about as bad as as it could possibly get, and that's another team that just is really falling apart. They had to get rid of one of their tackles, and that's a real dire situation. I mean, we, we, we might be in a little bit of trouble trying to figure out what to do, but the fact of the matter is, you look at Lucas Patrick, and, and from where we're sitting, saying it's just not really good enough. And that's I believe that there's some truth to that. I would like to do better than Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick is better than both guards for the Minnesota Vikings. Let that sink in. By the way, Jermaine Effetti and Rashawn Coward, both guards for Chicago, had higher pressures, 19 and 25. Lucas Patrick, 16. I know Ezra's going to move to tackle and things are getting shuffled around, whatever. Not everything is the same, but you got two Minnesota Viking guards, two Chicago Buck guards, and one Detroit guard that all gave up more pressures than our worst guard, Lucas Patrick, in terms of statistically pressures. And three of those five players played more snaps than Lucas Patrick. Jermaine Fetti, Jonah Jackson for Detroit, and Dakota Dozier all played more snaps than Lucas Patrick did. So, yeah, I still want to get better than Lucas Patrick if we can. That would be great but just to show you how dire things are. And remember, Ezra's leaving the guard spot, presumably, meaning somebody else is going to have to fill that. So you got Ezra, who doesn't seem to be a very good football player, filling in for a guy that was pretty good, and somebody else who's going to be probably really bad unless they draft somebody that's decent, filling in that guard spot. I don't know who that would be. Dakota Dozier is a free agent. I don't know if he's getting re-signed. I have no idea. It looks like Drew Samia is going to be filling in at guard. If he does not, if Dakota Dozier doesn't come back, Oh, I don't even know what this offensive line. This, according to this, right now it's Ezra Cleveland, um, Zach Bailey, who I believe was on the practice squad last year. Garrett Bradbury at center, Drew Samia at right guard, and Brian O'Neill uh, at right tackle. I don't know that that's going to be the final lineup. I have no idea what's going to happen. If uh, Ezra stays at guard, they don't. I mean, they don't have a tackle. They got Rashad Hill, but he's a free agent. They got Aliuda, who I think was a 2020 draft pick. Um, I remember the name. Maybe it was. The previous year, I don't know. It's bad, man. That's it's not good. And again, this is a team that, you know, you got two really good wide receivers, you got a talented running back, but if you can't, if you don't have an offensive line for the billionth time, there's only two things you can do on offense, pass and run, and you can't do either of them without an offensive line. I'm not saying they did the wrong thing, but the wrong thing that was done wasn't getting rid of your left tackle. The, the wrong thing is not having anybody to backfill. This is why the Packers are, are doing the right things when they draft a lot of guys that we feel we don't need. We don't need a running back. Well, in a couple days, we're about to find out we probably really do need a running back, except we don't because we did the prudent thing and found the right guy in the draft last year. I'm not saying they're perfect at it. We got holes out there to fill. But this is this is brutal. Imagine an offensive line that was, um, what would this be similar to? I guess kind of like Billy Turner going out to tackle, although not really because Billy Turner is a decent tackle. Um, I don't know. Lane, I think it would be like Lane Taylor moving to tackle, right? Because Lane was it's still not a great example because Lane was a much better guard. But So we're taking a guard. We're moving him to tackle. Now we got to figure out what to do. And we've got John Runyon and Lucas Patrick at guard, although probably a little worse than both of them. Our center, I, just, I, I, I can't even make up an example, but it's, just, it's, it's, it's bad. It's pretty bad. We'd have to get rid of David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley um just to kind of make this work and billy turner is our right tackle that would probably be similar to what the the vikings offensive line is like we have to get rid of three of our players Corey might be leaving so it's kind of there but if we got rid of uh david bakhtiari and elton jenkins probably a similar offensive line situation where our best player is billy turner at right tackle that's kind of where the vikings are right now and again maybe ezra steps up Maybe they draft some really quality players. It's entirely possible, but it's it's a it's a rough situation. Um, and then finally, I did mention the compensatory draft selections uh, because of Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell, and, oh, Belaga. Because of that, we'll be getting uh, uh, fourth round, fifth round, and sixth round compensatory picks. And that, those are not small things. A fourth round pick is big. It really is. And, and not only is it big in terms of you can find talent in the fourth round, but uh, trade capital. If the Packers want to trade up, you can get some stuff, especially if we're talking about... I mean, imagine if the Packers did trade out of the first round, which would make a lot of people sick. But now we got two second-round picks. We could possibly use that fourth to move up fairly sizably in the second round and get two really good second-round picks. So you get a pick maybe in the the 40s, depending on how far back they trade, or 30, and then get another pick in the 50s. I'm I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know. Um, Fifth round, again, doesn't seem like much, but, I mean, we got guys like... uh, like Aaron Jones, he was the 182nd pick, meaning he was a compensatory pick, I believe. They have pick 178, so they're picking a little earlier than they were last time when they got Aaron Jones with that pick. So yeah, you can find some guys. I mean, and that's where we got like EQ and MVS, that these sort of later uh, day three compensatory picks. You can you get guys like that, get some contributors, maybe not absolute killers, but I mean, we've we've as much as I I think MVS has been overrated by the fans. He's clearly given us. A decent amount. And again, go back and look at the wide receivers drafted in that range. Those guys are, you don't know their names. Everybody knows Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Every football fan, especially if they have anything to do with uh fantasy football, they know who MVS is. They know his name, and if they're saying they don't, they're lying. You don't know any of the names of the guys drafted in that range. So you can find them, and 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 Gutekunst can find them out there. So anyways, I am way over time. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.